0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Afterward. I'm Dave Tish here in the podcast studio with my good friend, David Kim. In just a few minutes, we're going to be joined by Steve Clifford. We're going to have a roundtable conversation about a passage in the book of Matthew where Jesus dives into several very hot button, hot topic, charged topics. And so uh, we're going to be talking about some stuff that isn't, ex- it's PG-13, shall we say. So if you've got, if you've got young kids, maybe not best to listen to this around them. In addition to that, some of these topics are pretty charged and they can stir up some things. So to talk about that, I've got Westgate Church's own David Kim.
1: Yeah. um, Do you want to introduce me? Because most people don't. This is my first time. So do you want me to say your title or just? Yeah, something (sighs) like, hey, as the Discipleship or Formation Pastor, my job is to help you take clear next. Do I say that or do you say that? My job is to help you take... Clear next steps in your formational journey with Jesus. I don't
0: know if a lot of people know what the word formation means, so that's probably really good. Yeah.
1: So discipleship and formation. And Jay was intentional. He wanted this we're, uh, we're called to discipleship and we're being formed into Christ, like right, right, right. Sure. So he wanted that to be in that order. I love I mean, that. Jay's like very like particular. Uh, I love it. I, it's, no, it's uh, it's precise. So he likes precision.
0: So if you had a T-shirt, it would say David Kim. Discipleship information pastor. That's what I would say. No, let's not
1: do that because that's not Westgate Church. I, I think uh, it could be. I think, I think Westgate Church, we care a lot about titles and influence and uh, building big platforms. Speaking of platforms, as you are listening to my podcast, if you can share this and please click like and subscribe, um, right. and uh, more followers I have. Uh, more rewards in heaven, you have.
0: <laughs> okay, but honestly, this week, uh, you know, when you go through a gospel, there's parts where Jesus is just unbelievable and inspiring, yeah. and it fills your heart with warm fuzzies and inspiration. And there's yeah. other times, like this week, yeah, where it's just difficult. I mean, yeah. Jesus, in this text, he doesn't just trample around landmines. He steps directly on, like, six. Yeah, So, in this teaching we're going to talk about anger we're going to talk about lust and addiction pornography addiction we're going to Ugh. talk about um marital problems we're going to talk about truth telling gossip lying that kind of stuff we're also going to talk about vengeance and contempt for your enemies there it's 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 likely knowing that the surveys that have been returned to us already by people yeah um and we've done some in-house Surveys, survey, yeah, surveys and yeah. questionnaires. We know that people are struggling with this. So as these issues are being hit, it's possible somebody could feel like a deep sense of being overwhelmed. How do I get help with this? That's how, the feeling. Right. I so, feel overwhelmed. Over, so how, how? what should people do? Just I, we're, This podcast is amazing. We're going to have tons of conversation. It's like 35 minutes of just awesome conversation about these topics. But what are some next steps for people? Just before we even go into it, David.
1: I would say... Um, when you feel overwhelmed, we need a guide. We all do, honestly. And we need uh, helpful resources, experts, uh, people who've been there a little bit and people who are a little bit further down the road to point us and save us some time and energy as we navigate all the complexities. Yeah. So please go to skchurch.org care yeah. And
0: you can find the help you need. Uh, yeah. We have coaches, spiritual directors, one-on-one with pastors, yeah. support counseling groups, centers. counseling centers, all, all sorts of yeah. resources. Whatever the next appropriate step will be, that's the place to begin investigating. Yeah. And again, this is really critical. There's no shame in any of this. In fact, it actually shows tremendous courage and integrity to say, "Hey, listen, I need some help." It's all private. It's, it's oh yeah. It's all private. It's all um. It's all done that way. But if you if if something is happening in your life, we want you to to get better we want you to walk toward christlikeness and um so westgatechurch.org slash care yeah thanks david All right, hey everybody, welcome to the afterword. Very excited to be here with two of my favorite people. Not hyperbole. Honest. Because <laughs> I know you think that I overstate, but really I on that David Kim. Occasionally. Steve mm. Clifford, Glad both to here. Be here. And uh, you Thanks guys Thanks for having us. Yeah. This past week, you had the longest passage we've had in the Matthew series and one of the most difficult. So <laughs> Yeah. I um, mean Jesus. And pastorally, this is really difficult. It goes right into six very difficult topics.
2: Yeah, we've been taking our time, working pretty intentionally through verse-by-verse kinds of things. And then, um, for whatever reason, as Jay laid it out... um, we he got to chapter five and said, "Ah, oh, let's just take a bigger chunk here."
1: I think Jay realized that anger, divorce, lust, they are easy topics, and so he, th- he thought you and I could just cover them all in just, just, in just in one, one sermon, one, one, one teaching, yeah. thirty-five minutes. Pretty, thanks, Jay. Yeah, just that
2: or he, he said, "Who's really struggling with anger and it really needs to spend some time in this passage?" That would be David Kim. Uh,
0: this, this, this is the, some of the earlier parts of Matthew are so inspirational and so beautiful. This is, this, is, this is a sledgehammer to the face. This is difficult. These are some difficult teachings of Jesus, and he's getting to the heart of it. And I love what you said. You said uh, it actually—you'd it, expect nothing less from Jesus.
2: Yeah, I mean, he, he distinguishes himself. I think it would have been shocking. I mean, no wonder there were large crowds, because he doesn't sidestep a single topic. I mean, he steps right into the, to the mess of hmm. the culture— and yeah. of our culture still today. Of, um, the mess and, of us. He, yeah, yeah, the mess of us. He he just steps right in. You want to see you want to know what it really looks like? And here's what he does. He he takes teachings that are hundreds and hundreds of years old. And he says, "You've heard all that, but I say." And it's like bam. It's just like you think this morality thing is a game where you just keep rules and keep score mm. and and it's a morality of the heart. And I'm telling you, it's not external at all. It's what's going on inside. And it's it's quite shocking, really.
1: Yeah. And I love how practical Jesus's invitation is to these yeah. six topics. We can, I mean, apply them. I mean, it's really hard, but we can apply them um, in our day-to-day lives. And I love that. I For me, what I, what I really love about this is that I love how he starts the first practical thing after this big spiel about being salt and light in this world is anger and how, how, uh, destructive anger is to our own souls. I remember like, even if you get angry, your body changes and it shapes your body, your brain Mm -hmm. and your blood flow, but it affects your marriages, your family, your parenting. But I would say even your church community and even nations against nations, like wars start because of anger towards one another and how destructive that is. And how, as Jesus is laying out a vision for a new humanity, he's saying, let me talk about anger first and say how we're called to be something more than that. You've heard
0: it said, don't kill, don't murder. But I'm saying even anger mm-hmm. uh, is, is. and then Jesus's prescription is pretty shocking too. Like Steve, you, you talked about how, taken aback you were at the deliberateness of Jesus' uh, 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 solution to anger. Yeah, you
2: can, you can read that and say, you know, if you're if you're about to present your gift at the altar and then you remember someone has something against you, and it doesn't even sound like it's that big of a deal. You just suddenly remember, like it's not that big of a like deal. Like
0: you're at church <laughs> and all of a sudden you're like, oh no, David's mad at me. Yeah,
2: what? I mean, it sounds like that, but th- remember, it's not anything like that. I mean probably what has been ha- what has happened is you've you've planned for a long time and saved the money to be able to go to the temple and present your sacrifices because hmm. it's so, commanded by scripture so you have yeah. left your home you have left your businesses you have left the safety of wherever that is gone out on roads that were Racked with bandits and all those kinds of things, that it would travel was not easy and it was mm. not safe. So you ha, you've planned all of that, you've saved your money, you go into Jerusalem, you play pay exuberant amount of monies um, to with the taxes and the exchange rates and everything to get an animal that's appropriate for sacrifice, and you're just about to hand the animal over to the priest, and the priest says. I mean and then your in your conscience reminds you hey so and so you know you guys got an argument going on you're supposed to turn around undo all of that expense you know and, and go back and make it right before and it's it's just it's very serious that the it affects the worship that we present with a good motive I mean we're we could be trying to present a good motive but the blockage between us as humans creates somehow to, some types of interference between us and God
0: and so he God takes that so seriously that he wants us to turn around yeah
1: yeah and when I was reading this I remember going well I don't murder so I'm just gonna I said check and then and then I I thought about hey but if you're angry and I also thought well I'm not really an angry person I don't have these like I'll Like road rages. I'm not flipping the table. I'm not cursing at others. And so I thought, okay, I'm good with this command and let me get to the second one. And then I realized, oh, but my anger is internal. And the way i express my anger is that i actually have negative thoughts about a certain person and i give them a kind of a cold shoulder or i ignore them and kind it's of a passive aggressive way and but at the end of the day the root is anger and so even if you're like me listening to this and saying hey like i don't have those kind of crazy outbursts but if you have those kind of internal like passive aggressive anger that's also something that jesus is inviting us to reconsider
2: yeah anger would express itself the easy to recognize anger is the hot anger, you know. It's very verbal, it's yeah. very emotional, it's sometimes very physical, and it's very easy. But there's a cold anger that's just as destructive, it's and scary. Um, you know, maybe harder to recognize, but but just as applicable in this in this yeah. passage. He doesn't say, "Remember that you yelled at someone," or remember remember that a that a brother or sister has something against you. I mean, that's the. It's like so slight. I mean, right now somebody probably has something against me. I can't remember it, but or I'd have to stop this podcast and leave right away. (laughs) Uh, uh, So anyway, but
0: Jesus is saying, do the introspective work. Is there any relationship that's off? Yeah, and then stop, stop, and turn. Um, Well, just to dig in, because you've talked about this and you've shared anger has been a constant companion with you for a large part of your life. That's, that's something I, I don't traffic in anger. I'm more like David. I, I, that, I do traffic in anger, but it's not my primary emotion to right. things, but that has been a thing that you have. Yeah. I mean,
2: I, I, I'm in the, I'm in the gut triad. Right. In the neogram. So I, I'm, I'm one of my primary emotion uh, tends to be anger. Now I, I hope that, Most people that would spend time with me, like I I just spent time with someone um, a few months ago, and then we got back together just recently, just a few days ago, and they characterized my life by kindness, not anger. So I I think you can grow. I mean, they were just very complimentary about the time that we spent together over a couple of days, and and that they didn't, you know, they they actually intentionally said, "You talk about your anger, but I didn't see it."
0: Right. How did you take steps toward toward not letting to, to actually trying to obey this teaching of Jesus. I mean, was it a process? Was it like a lifelong thing? Did you get better at it over time? Is it like a daily submission thing? Well,
2: yeah, it's all of those things, I think. Um, the first verse I ever memorized, I've shared this with the church several times, Proverbs 15, 1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Mm. And that was the first vi- verse I ever memorized with a purpose of personal application. And so I've I've made sure that I've tried to allow the scriptures to kind of um, permeate. uh, Self-introspection of my day and a commitment of my appointments before my day starts is a regular part of the disciplines that I have. And the Spirit is very gracious and very kind and very faithful to bring to my mind uh, times that I've misspoke, times that I was flippant, um, times that I was short with people. My anger shows up in just gobs of different ways. So um, I try to just be faithful. I, I'm only responsible for what I know. So I, I'm not responsible for the times when I've been angry. I didn't even know it or there's somebody's angry at me. But whenever I do become aware of it, I try to reconcile. And most of the time that means repentance on my part and a confession of the wrong I've done and, and trying to bring about restoration.
0: If our culture is saturated with anger, it's also saturated with the next thing that Jesus talks about, which is uh, not adultery, but lust. He yeah. says, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. Again, one of the Ten Commandments. I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And then he goes on in one of the most shocking hyperbolic statements, uh, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out, throw it away. It's better for you to th- lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go to hell. I remember as a young man, I, I just, I could not believe, how am I supposed to to live up to this, Jesus? This yeah, is impossible. And
2: here's here's something really important at first, is how do we know this is a hyperbole? His,
0: it, it's easy.
2: Here's It's easy. The early church was not known as one-armed one people or one-eyed people. There's no history of the church at any period where they practiced this. There have been individuals who are whack that have, that have, have self-armed themselves for some things, but never has this been a part of any right. kind of—so we know it's hyperbole, he's, he's, but he's making a point, a shocking point, to try to get our attention right. that, there's something that there's something more important than the outward, and that's the inward look with intention to lust. And I think that's important here. It's not just, it's. this is not the look of temptation. It's not
0: like you see somebody really attractive and you're like, man, they're really attractive. It's it's more of an intentional, you're saying it's more of an intentional, I want to consume, turn that person into something to be like.
2: Yeah, I think it's, it's looking with the intention to lust. You have really already lusted in your mind and now you're going to feast your eyes on what you're lusting for. So it, it's not the casual look that says, wow, she's very pretty. In fact, I don't even think there's anything wrong with that. It's just when you when you start to undress that woman, uh, in my case, um, then you need to take your eyes away, that t- and say no to that temptation. You still can have temptation without sin. It's, it happens very quickly, so you got to it's difficult to know. But this I think is an even more serious look. This is I want something. I want something and I'm looking for to use someone to satisfy this lust that i have i'm looking with the intention of lusting
1: yeah and i i love this hyperbole because i don't often in my journey i don't think i take sin seriously if i'm being honest and the the invitation of this lust and saying jesus is saying he's using this hyperbole to say hey like remember sin is absolutely destructive Mm -hmm. to you and your own soul and to everyone who loves you and cares about you And so to take extreme measures uh, uh, to fight sin and for all of us listening, as you know, like lust in our culture today, pornography and how oftentimes it's so hidden. And that a lot of even lust itself, it's hidden and the invitation to take active measures to fight it. I do think we have some uh, work ahead for all of us. We live in a visual culture and a highly sexualized culture and in some ways kind of
0: a pornographic culture, which demeans women and turns them into objects to be consumed. Yeah, Uh, I remember I was in uh, when I was a young when I was young (laughs) in my 20s. I had friends at Moody Bible Institute and I would go up to Chicago where I lived in Dayton. I would commute every weekend to just spend time with them because it was this incredible Christian community. And I went to this like kind of young adults gathering with Erwin uh, Lutzer, who Mm -hmm. was the kind of famous pastor up there. And I remember he gave like a 10 minute talk on, on just this passage. And he said these three things, Jesus's words say that um, number one, that it would be painful. This prescription to get away from lust would be painful. It'd be permanent and it'd be worth it. Mm. And uh, yeah. that I, I, obviously I still remember that. I mean, I wrote it down in my notes, but it, yeah. it, it wrote it in my heart. What Jesus is saying is, it's it's worth doing the work to get away from this because otherwise you're in, you're in real danger. It's a call to take sin seriously.
2: Yeah, I mean, in the in the six you have heard it said, but I say topics, he not only takes on the the biggest ill, Ill illnesses of our of our day. Still today, but but he does something different that I think is fascinating, and that is um, he goes against the status quo of of almost every religion, and he says, "You think it's meritorious? You think that you earn righteousness?" Now, the remember the issue is is given to us in verse twenty. I tell you that unless your righteousness goes beyond that of the experts of the law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And by the way from a meritorious position, there's no one more righteous than the Pharisee. From a law-keeping, rule-following group of people, there's nobody more righteous, if you understand righteousness in that sense. But he's, what he's saying is, that's not righteousness. Righteous not, righteousness is not the man who doesn't, who doesn't commit adultery. He's the man who wouldn't commit adultery, even if he could get away with it. He's not the man who doesn't steal. He's the man who wouldn't steal, even if he could get away with it. Yeah. He's, he's he's good from the inside, and uh, this heart. I, I just think I just think he's. It's a such mastery teaching.
0: It's also super countercultural. Think about how oh, flippantly yeah. we treat pornography. A, a lot of people, and and there's no shame in this right now, just to talk about this because at pastorally we know a lot of folks struggle with this. This is how they numb out and. This is serious, though. <laughs> Jesus is not saying what the culture says, which is it's fine. This is this is a perfectly harmless way to numb out. Uh, that's not what Jesus is saying here. So, like pastorally, what kind of advice would you have for folks who are finding themselves stuck in this, trapped in this?
1: Yeah, a lot of times it's self soothing mechanism. We are in pain. It's addictive, and so I would say we have care department, care ministry. We have we have partnerships with experts and therapists who can work with you. We also have some practical tools like, I mean, at our church, we use covenant ice and, and that's, it, it actually is really helpful. And, 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 and I would even say some of some of the guys in my men's group, I mean, we're all in our third late thirties and forties and they have a child protective like lock on their phone so they can't even access much. And I found that to be when I first joined the group, I found that to be so silly. Like you're like forty, you can't even but I realized, oh wow, that is the condition of all of our hearts. And to to take those kind of extreme measures to to be careful in the way we interact with our devices, especially in our Silicon Valley and um, so I would say, yeah, care department, covenant ice, I would say locks on your phone and even s- things like that you put in place. Like one of the guys who travel often, he would call the hotel the day before and ask the TV to be removed. I, I find that to be like I find that to be really um, mature, actually, mm-hmm. not childish, mm-hmm. but mature for someone to say, hey, I've struggled with this and I'm going to uh, I want to take the, the, the movement of maturity here.
2: Yeah, I, I think too safeguards and accountability not only not only guard those who have a that have a inclination towards sin, they protect those who have an inclination towards innocence. Um, that's why we all need it. Hmm. You say, well, I don't have a porn problem, so I don't need a guard. Yes, you do. Hmm. You do. You you need it not only because you guard against the the act of what's wrong, but you also, it protects your innocence and it gives you credibility and accountability with other people. I, I, I just think people that won't submit themselves to that Mm. kind of accountability, there's usually deeper issues going on somewhere that they just don't want to.
0: That's good. Uh, Moving on is a really touchy one. It's on the topic of divorce. Jesus says, it's been said anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you, anyone who divorces his wife, except for marital unfaithfulness, causes her to become an adulteress. And anyone who marries the divorced woman commits adultery. Uh, there's too much to unpack in here. Once we get to Matthew 19 later on, we're probably going to have a whole sermon on this because uh, Jesus really delves into this. There's much to say, but just yeah. briefly, what? How? How do you? Um, what would you say to folks about this? What? How did you process this? This statement from Jesus.
2: Well, I've got, you know how I like triangles. And so I, I do, ha- Steve. I know how much you like triangles. <laughs> we miss them time to time. And so I have a triangle of divorce, um, which what? is interesting. Yes, I do. <laughs> and, and, and I use it. So I'm, it's unfortunate that I can't draw it. But if you can imagine a triangle, and you, in the middle of that triangle, you write Malachi chapter three, which says, God hates divorce. So the context for all divorce is that God hates it, He doesn't want it. He doesn't want it. It's not the design. Right. It's not why he created right. marriage. It's not It's not the intention. Um, it's it's a ripping apart of souls.
0: Well, in the beginning, Jesus says, um, in, in Matthew 19, he refers back to Genesis, that the man and the woman should become one flesh.
2: Yeah, and that's why the, that one flesh is a mystery. And somehow I believe it to be a joining not just of us physically in the act of sex, I think it's a joining of our souls together. And so divorce is a ripping apart of something that God has brought together. And there's damage done to the soul when that happens. So Malachi 3. Then the baseline of the, of the, of the triangle would be 2 Corinthians 5.17, that if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone. So if anything happened before you were a Christian, it's gone. It's forgiven. It's no, it's no issue. The divorce is, um, you're free to remarry you don't have to worry about trying to reconcile that divorce, and then there seems to be a couple of exception clauses that are given in the New Testament. So
0: you're saying that if somebody comes to Christ and they have divorce in their background, uh, that they don't have to feel any sort of guilt because the old has gone in, or New any
2: restrictions about re- remarrying. I see, because the issue around divorce really is: re- can you can you remarry? Can you remarry biblically? You, right. can, you can do whatever you want. I mean, we're not in the process of telling people what they can do. But we're, try- we're in the process of explaining the scriptures to folks. Um, so as we explain the scriptures, you're free to remarry if it happened before Christ. Got it. The, the old is gone. The other ones are here in Matthew chapter 5, and again in Matthew 18 or 19, wherever it is, there seems to be this exception clause that if there was marital um, um sexual immorality involved in the marriage, and, and the tense of what's going on there is not just a one act, but it's a habitual Sexually unfaithful to your partner, there seems to be allowance for divorce there.
0: Allowance for, not, not, you're not mandated. You're not
2: mandated to, no, you, absolutely of not. Of course
0: not. So again, the heart could be if you can reconcile, you can, but if not, then it's permissible in areas of. Absolutely. Steve, yeah.
1: you, you've counseled so many uh, marriages. What would you say about like physical or emotional violence that happens often in the case? How, how would you counsel that if the person says, hey, I feel. Like it's not a one-time thing I feel unsafe, like yeah, coming I, home.
2: My, my immediate response would be to get safe. And if, if that means any kind of sep- immediate separation, let's talk about divorce and other things later on, but let's immediately get safe. If you're not safe and your children aren't safe, for the man or the woman, mm-hmm. usually it's the woman, but it can be the man, Sure. Um, then you need to make provisions to be able to get safe. And you need to talk to somebody here at church so we can help you get mm-hmm. safe that's that's immediate it's, The divorce when safety is an issue and you feel like you're you're being a, um, especially physically abused and you and you're not safe divorce don't just get safe let's hmm. get safe first and then let's talk about divorce
0: it's interesting uh, Beth felker Jones who's actually I went to college with her I I, I wasn't a Christian in college she she's a a theologian, and she's a professor now. She used to be at Wheaton, now she's at Northern Seminary. She wrote a book on Christian theology of sex, and one of the things she says about this passage is the word pornea is that uh, Jesus says, except for marital and faithfulness, there's that word pornea. And she says it's uh, it's it's abuse of the flesh. And and so she thinks that it's actually referring back to the, the one flesh model. And when a husband abuses his wife, he's abusing his own flesh. It's a violation of that. So mm-hmm. if anything violates that sacred two shall become one it's spousal abuse yeah and so that's 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 why that ripping occurs
2: and it's our position here that habitual viewing of pornography is marital unfaithfulness Mm. it's covered in this term and so there's grounds there um
1: i mean pornea pornography yeah no no it's right right
2: pornea is a very general term for sexual immorality right it's it's a catch-all phrase and
1: if you're like me again i'm reading divorce i'm like i'm i didn't I'm not going through that right now, at least that I know of. And so I can skip that passage. And uh, again, another invitation for us to pause and say, if you are married and, and you're not filing a divorce, but the invitation is Jesus is saying, I believe, is saying here is that we should take our marriages seriously, that, that we should honor one another. And that because it was a, such a casual thing for people to file a divorce back in the days. And as of today and invitations, how, how's your marriage? Like, and that's a question that we ought to be asking as well, not just about this term divorce.
2: Yeah, in Jesus's day, marriage was way, I mean, divorce it was, was way, easier way easier. yeah. For the man. For the man, the not, woman, the, not the yeah, woman. The woman he didn't really have couldn't. any rights. The woman yeah. didn't yeah. have any rights in this thing. Right. She had very little. There, were, there are some rights that protect her. This is actually a very pro feminine view um, here. This is great protection. Agreed. For the woman, because she can't just be discarded by a simple pink slip. I mean, at the de- at the time of this, there was just a simple—you just write down you dissatisfy me, and just hand it to the wife, and it's it's over. And now she's left to no one's who wants to marry her. No, now she what is she going to do? How's she going to care for herself? I mean, it was this is a very protective thing. Agreed, um, and it's also in the context of anger and. Lust. Um, and lust and uh, integrity with your words mm. and retaliation. Divorce is right here in the middle, and it just shows how important Jesus sees marriage as to the overall moral health of the, yeah. of the kingdom of There's God. There's a covenantal,
0: covenantal commitment here. Let's take it seriously. Mm-hmm. Then we go into oaths. Let your yes be yes. Anything you want to say about oaths or why this is important to us today? I don't think we use the word oath a lot. We don't use the word vow.
2: Yeah, I, I, I just think that um, it's another one of those things. If you if you want to ruin the community of the kingdom of God, just lie to each other. I mean, so I mean that, that's simple enough. I mean, it's it's just like remember this is this is what life is like in the kingdom. This is what it looks like to live with righteousness that is beyond the Pharisees. And Jesus is describing this for us. And so there's go- it's going to be a community where when there's truth, there's also trust. Yes. There's there's hmm. community of fellowship and honesty with one another to be yourselves. There's security. There's a security to be the people of God and not worry, you know, not worry about wh- is he telling me the truth? Is she is she being honest with me? Um, it's it's an important deal. It's a big deal. Yeah. Um,
0: well, think about Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter uh, 5 or 6. It um, They lied to the church about yeah. whether they sold their property. And Peter's like, it's not a big deal. You could have kept all the money. We, it's that yeah. you lied to us.
2: And it seems to be that this thing, it, it's speaking to impress. Because, he, it, it's not, it, because there seems to be these vows that are made, like on heaven and earth, and God's, you know, and, and all these things. You're, it's almost like you're trying to to impress your opinion or your your position. Um, yeah,
1: I, I'm a people pleaser, so I relate to this. And I like to always add another zero to whatever I'm saying <laughs> in, in my teaching. And so that's the temptation. And and what, I, what I've noticed often in my earlier days of my pastoral journey is that someone someone would share something, and I would try to be a little bit more righteous than I am, and I would say, oh, I will be praying for you. And I would say that flippantly again, like I, and I don't even like, I forget about the person and I just go back. And, Mm -hmm. and so even those things I catch myself and say, if I'm going to, I'm just going to say, Hey, can I pray for you now so that I could kind of seize the moment? Because if not, I I like to say these big, big promises and I don't really follow up with them at all. And they don't know that, but they, at least, it appears to be pretty godly and awesome. And so yeah. And, I, and what I love about this is that I think we live in a culture today where oaths are primarily uh, done through written form. Like we sign something, and that's how uh, in our culture today. But back in the days, it was it was done orally. I mean, you, you let your yes be yes, no be no, and that's how contracts were binding. and in our days, it's more of a written form. But Jesus is inviting us to say, our words cannot be cheap, and that that uh, the what what I commit to now and what I say to even with the, with my words actually matter. And 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 and, and yeah, it's a it's a. <laughs> It's an invitation for me to pause. And- yeah, I think
2: how, how, how few times, if, if you ask me something that I needed to kind of defend, how, how many times do I really just say to you, yes? I mean, did you do this? Yes. Or no, I didn't. And I wouldn't say that. I would almost always say no, and I can prove it, right? I would always just, and, it, and it, what, a, what a beautiful community it would be if, if our yeses were really yeses and those were noes.
1: They say, uh, be careful when you are um, really happy because you end up making a lot of promises to your wife and to your kids. And so just, yeah, if you're in a good season, just just be careful. <laughs> uh,
0: the last two I think are the most difficult. Uh, Eye for an Eye, which is about vengeance. And then love for enemies, mm. uh, which is about the refusal to give into uh, contempt. C- Tim Keller talked about it this way, uh, and I think we were at the same conference. All of us, he talked about uh, five core ways that the uh, early Christian church challenged the early Roman culture, right? And how two of them seem uh, politically on one spectrum, two of them seem politically on the other spectrum, and one of them doesn't sound like anybody at all. The the mm. there's a, a deep care for uh, sexual ethic. Uh, there was a deep concern for New uh, the infanticide and <laughs> the, the unborn yeah. and babies, mm-hmm. there was a deep concern for the poor. There was a deep concern for a multi ethnic kind of uh, congregation, and then the, and and so you know two of those kind of map politically on one side, two of them map politically on the other. But he said one sounds like nobody, and that's non retaliation. The early Christians yeah. did not retaliate with violence, and this is where we get here. This is non violent. This is Martin Luther King, Gandhi. Um, great reformers have stared at this and said that violence only accomplishes violence. The way to overcome that is to by uh, aggressively standing in nonviolent resistance to to evil, to, to abuse. Um, this is what made brothers and sisters in the South stand up to water hoses and mm-hmm. police dogs and beatings and the Edmund Pettus Bridge. You know what I mean? This is This is very important.
2: Very important. The three, I would say the three most significant civil rights movements of the last 200 years were led by this principle. You've got apartheid in South Africa. You've got the uh, civil rights movements of the African American community here in the United States. And then you've got the, the um, civil rights movement led by Gandhi in India for independence there. And um, all three of those, showed just how powerful this this teaching is Uh, it's it's quite amazing if you think about it Um, there have certainly been wars where people have gained rights or gained possessions or gained property um, but nothing gained like those three movements
1: right steve do you have a triangle for this one as well how do we navigate these difficult like how do we navigate enemies like uh, what what are your thoughts on this
2: well, I, I talked about it in my sermon. I, this is the one I spent time with, the most time with, is, is that it's, you, have to, you have to cultivate a heart of forgiveness. Hmm. And, um, and it's just difficult to do. And it's, you, and it's just a laying aside of the rights. It's a laying aside of debt and, and things that you feel like are rightfully yours. Hmm. Here's the thing is that forgiveness always means you're moving from a point where you think you're right. Almost always, if you think you're wrong, you would have admitted it and you wouldn't be standing on wrong, but you, both people think they're right. And so somebody has to come off of the right hill (laughs) and lower themselves and say, my relationship with you is more important than whether I'm right here. And that's super difficult. So you've got to, but the process of forgiveness is, we just have to become experts at, 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 at practicing it because to whom much is forgiven the the it says, the scriptures say that the, those who have been forgiven much love much and and since love is supposed to be the earmark of who we are and we know we're broken we know we're fallen we know we're going to mess up all the time i'm going to hurt you if our relationships continue i'm going to hurt both of you i'm going to i'm going to i'm going to you're going to go home to your wife and say that bald idiot did this, and and you're going to probably be right. You'll be right. But um, our community is more important than you being right. And we don't believe that. We one of the one of the highest treasures that we hold as um, as Americans is is we're right. You know. We, yeah,
0: I don't see a whole lot of love for enemies being cultivated by anyone right now. I see a lot of your um, evil, straight evil, and deserve yeah. uh, ultimate derision. And it would be better if you were just gone. From both sides. Uh, Absolutely. And that's really, uh, un- this is countercultural. In fact, I see people using the Bible to justify hatred of enemies. I know. It's, have you seen this? Oh, yeah,
2: <laughs> It's one of the most frustrating things I see, yeah. is that I'll see a group of people who are holding up a bunch of signs saying that God hates something, and then they have a verse scribbled on it that is completely out of context that, that they don't even live by. But they've decided to spew this hatred. It's just—I it, can remember one time we we hosted an event at Sharks, uh, the Sharks Arena, where they play the games. We had a big city-wide event. This is years ago, and um, it's a Christian event and it's an evangelistic event where, where we're inviting people in the city who may not know Christ yet to come and hear a message from a guy who's very effective at presenting the gospel. You know, in and, and this big deal and we ran it for i think we did it two nights in a row or three nights in a row so you a, rented the shark tank yeah. oh it, it, it was, wasn't a sharks game no it was it was, it was, was put on by the community I of see, churches in I our see. in 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 san jose in santa clara county and when we the first night that i went to an event there was this guy standing outside who was holding up signs telling how, telling everybody going in that you're going to hell and that the dude you're about to listen to is a <laughs> Satan incarnate or something, sure. just some ridiculous um, spewing of hatred. And I remember just walking up to him and saying, and saying, bro, you've read the Gospels, right? You've read the Gospels. And he said, of course I've read the Gospels. I said, you don't look anything like the Jesus you read. You don't look anything like it. You're spewing hatred in so many, and then claiming to be justified by taking some of his words out of context. This is this is the worst representation of Jesus you can imagine. Hmm. I, I, I would I beg you to reconsider. And he didn't, right? You know what he expected him to, right? But I felt like I should still say something to him. But I mean, you you see this all the time.
0: My son said this pithy thing the other day. He said, "You know, if you get hated because of Jesus, that's one thing. But if people hate Jesus because of you, well, that's a bigger problem." <laughs> I thought. I mean, I know he's being simplistic, but he's trying to be funny. He's trying to say, like, "No, but it's uh, it's yeah.
2: a it's a fine twist of a phrase yeah. that that's very memorable. That's a very good thing." Yeah. Well, it's it's master's level master's level discipleship. Sure, when you get to love your enemies, I mean, this is six forty x.
0: Wait, Is this uh, the fourth love? This Steve? is the fourth love. <laughs> Dana, are you, listening? <laughs> are you listening? Love God,
2: love your neighbors, love one another. She's gonna stab and the, you. <laughs> and the process, if you there's not a destination. six forty discipleship with Christ is not a destination. It's a process, and the constant measurement is how are you doing loving your enemies. Yeah. yeah. Um,
0: Well, thank you guys for coming in. Again, for those of you listening, we we could not cover everything that needs to be said about these topics. And and David, just as a spiritual formation guy, uh, there's some folks probably who are like, man, one of those really hit me really hard. Um, I, I think I need to do some work on this. I think I need to take... Jesus at his word, I think I need to be, What are what's your recommendation for next steps for some some folks? Because uh, maybe it's marital problems, maybe it's anger, yeah. maybe it's maybe it's lust and being trapped in a pornography addiction. It could be truth-telling, like, oh, man, it, or it could be just contempt for someone having a difficult time um, in, in some environment. So yeah. what's your advice there? So
1: maybe, oh, so we're a few days before the message, and so I'm working with the care team as we speak to, westgatechurch.org slash care. And maybe Steve, if you can make a shout out at uh, Toga campus, Yeah, um, we're going to, we already have some curated kind of uh, practical invitations. And so we're finalizing that today. And um, we would love for you to check out the site again, westgatechurch.org slash care. We always have that site, but for this particular message, we have some practical invitations that you can take. And we would love for you to explore that if one of them hits. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Awesome. awesome. Um, Thanks again for traveling with us. The hard words of Jesus, but he's he's giving us these hard words for life, yeah, and for us, and for yeah. our benefit, and for His glory. So, uh, super grateful for this. And again, talk this out with your folks, with your traveling with your spouse, your friends. Hmm. These are these are worth d- diving into. Yeah, uh, hard work. Thank you guys both, and uh, we'll see you next week. You bet. All right, just want to say thanks to David Kim and Steve Clifford for stopping by. Again, if anything that we talked about kind of pinged you and made you feel like, man, I really should, I need to take some steps in there. Go to westgatechurch.org slash care, and there's a tremendous amount of resources there. Um, just your next step. It, it can be a one-on-one with a pastor to help you assess what your next step might be. It might be counseling. It might be spiritual direction. It might be a support group. There's all sorts of ways you can get help, so please, um, please do that. And thanks for traveling with us. And we'll join you next week where our topics will be far less difficult, I think. Okay, we'll see you next week.